Well, another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Come to No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. I'm Ian Brannan, and throughout this episode, we're going to be paying tribute and celebrating the life of Nigel Pearson, who sadly passed away at the age of 52 last week. He was, for millions, the voice of Speedway over the last two decades. And much more than that, because he was someone who bound together the sport in this country. He was also someone who contributed extensively to match programmes, to magazine articles, to radio features, and not least this podcast, which Nigel was very proud of and he saw and the need for it and and helped us make this idea a, a reality and was hugely involved in it every single week. Wherever he could get a mention for Speedway, Nigel would be there pushing the word and trying to take the sport forward in so many different ways, so many ways that many people would never, ever be able to even know about or see. In this episode, we're going to hear from some of those closest to Nigel. We'll hear from Ryan Guest, from Phil Lanning, We'll hear a tribute from Simon Stead, Niels Christian Everson, Scott Nichols, and many others who have worked closely with Nigel Pearson over the past two decades or even more. Nigel Pearson, the voice of Speedway in Britain and around the world. Back in 1990, uh, I was on hospital radio at the time in Dudley, and uh, I got a call from Colin Pratt at Cradley. Um, and he said, uh, our announcer's leaving. Would you like to come and be our announcer at Cradley? And you, you'd also, we also need somebody to take over the programme editing. Um, I know you're on hospital radio, and I know that you're working at the local paper, so you can talk and you can write. Do you want to come and have a chat? So in 1990, I became the announcer and programme editor of Cradley Heath. And that was a dream come true. Absolute wow. dream come true. If you talk with confidence and authority, it's important to have a strong authoritative voice to portray the drama of sport and where we're at in a particular game. Five minutes ago, he was being clattered into by his teammate. He's picked himself up, dusted himself down, and has just pulled off one of the most sensational rides we have seen on Sky Sports all season. When I went to school, if you'd have told me in future life you're going to sit next to Dave Lanning and Sid Waddell, I'd have, I'd have gone, <laughs> you've been drinking. Ty Woffenden is half a lap away from making history. Ty Woffenden in the white helmet is going to be world speedway champion for a third time! Woffy! 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 Three world titles and Great Britain's greatest ever rider in speedway history! 
it's a better product now than even a than, than the halcyon days of the 60s, 70s and 80s one-off world finals. It's it's better racing now. You know, I can honestly say if I wasn't working in Speedway, I'd still pop along and go and watch it, for sure. His first active involvement in Speedway was as a programme editor and announcer at Cradley Heath in the early 1990s and had been the British Speedway press officer since 1999. Nigel was, of course, the voice of domestic Speedway TV coverage, having commentated for Sky Sports, BT Sport and last season in the first year of the sport's new deal with Eurosport. He'd also served as the world feed commentator for the Speedway Grand Prix series for over a decade. And together with his regular partner, Kelvin Tatum, they called many of the sport's iconic moments. We will hear some of those iconic moments through the course of this podcast because we want it to be a celebration of Nigel's life and work uh, as well. So we're going to cover some of those moments and very soon I'll be joined by a couple of people who knew him very well in Ryan Guest and journalist Phil Lanning who will share their stories and we've got many other messages from around the world of sports media and from some riders and other figures associated with Speedway as well. First though, the words of the British Speedway chairman Rob Godfrey who of course spoke with Nigel on an almost daily basis. He said that Nigel was an ambassador. There's no question that this sport has grown in stature in the last couple of years. It's grown in promotion, on social media, and Nigel has been a big part of that. He's taken us from the tabloid age to the digital age, and I think he's done it very successfully. Certainly the amount of people who were talking about him on Friday night is something he would have loved. But this is for all the wrong reasons. I guess he would have laughed if he could have known that the news crashed the sport's official website on Friday, and when I went on Google, he was in the top ten. Our thoughts have to be with his family, his wife and children, and his parents. He talked all the time about his mum and dad, going away to York, and most of the time we used to talk virtually every day. Nigel was a rock, and if this had happened to anyone else, I would have been ringing him to say, Nigel, what are we going to do about this? I've also spoken to previous chairmen who have said the same as me, that Nigel has been a rock to their chairmanships too, and for the sport of Speedway as a whole, he was an absolute ambassador. Nigel was the voice of Speedway, and we're all going to miss him terribly. British Speedway sends our deepest condolences to Nigel's wife Kerry, the two sons Liam and Jake, his daughter Sarah, and all of their family and friends. Now, let's hear from someone who was particularly close to Nigel and has involvement, of course, in a club that was also particularly close to Nigel. In fact, he was once the Centre Green announcer and, and worked very closely on their press and PR coverage, even up until last week. The manager of Sheffield Speedway and the Great Britain Speedway team, Simon Stead. I've had it impossible to, to find the right words. If the truth be known, I've I've already tried and failed several times to 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 do this tribute justice. I know I'm going to echo many of the the tributes already left uh, as we try and come to terms with with the sudden and tragic loss of Nigel. Nigel was so much more than just a friend, someone I admired, respected, and loved being in the company of. It was only a few weeks ago that he called into my family business, just having a chat, usually talking about our joint love of shoes with dodgy tassels 
Kerry hated him, but we always had a laugh about it. And and when we were going to get a chance for our next pint of Guinness together, his infectious laugh and uh, charm was as infectious as ever. Um, I remember one time he called into work and I can't remember why, but he, he, he missed seeing my dad for whatever reason and what stood out for me that particular time was it it would have been easy for Nigel to sort of think I'll catch him next time but instead he he called him on his way home later on that afternoon my dad came out of his office smiling his face and said oh Nigel's just phoned I had a catch up with him I just think that's the guy he was he has that fabulous ability to to put a smile on people's faces. Now sport and speedway in particular has lost its brightest star. A gift that brought sport to life for so many of us. A gift that we were lucky to have and enjoy. And one that can't ever and will never be replaced. I'll be forever grateful for the friendship I had with, with Nigel and I'll cherish every single memory I have with him dearly. Rest easy, Scoop, and thank you for everything. Yes, Simon Stead with his tribute to his close friend, Nigel Pearson. To be honest, I think many of us within Speedway uh, just can't really fathom it. You know, and I'm sure it's it's the same for for many of of you as well. It it sort of doesn't seem real. Less than a week ago, I was speaking to him about this podcast. I spoke to him more last week than I think I've spoken to him any other previous week. It just sort of seems weird, and it's only today where we're putting this podcast together. And you know, this is produced by his company. Myself and Nigel have worked closely on this for over the last year, pretty much exactly a year ago. I think we started. And we speak every week about it. And it's only really dawned on, not just me, but all of us who work regularly with Nigel, that he's not there to organise it. He's not there to sort of come up with the ideas or say, oh, I've got this I've got this guy who's going to come on or this person's going to come on or what are we going to do this week? And it's it's down to us to come up with the um, come up with the goods. And and in the circumstances, we've we've got to pay tribute to to Nigel it's all a bit strange for me I I first encountered Nigel like probably many of many of us have and on the TV you know as a Speedway fan watching the sports on on whatever channel it was and, and Nigel's commentaries alongside Kelvin and then I was working in the West Midlands on smooth radio I was there for about a year and um, Nigel was a big fan of Smooth Radio, <laughs> and uh, he uh, he followed me on Twitter, and uh, just like any other person would, maybe. And while I was um, in the Midlands, I went to watch Wolves one night, um, and it was very hard to get to Speedway um, after you'd done a show because the show didn't finish till seven. And you had to kind of pick a day where you could definitely get out of town and, and get across there. And anyway, I managed it this one time because I was working early in the morning once and so I had the afternoons free so I was able to get to Wolves so I went to Wolves and I put a a photo on on Twitter of me at Wolves 
And and Nigel was straight in touch saying, what are you doing there? Is it for, oh, you'll have a great night. And he was sort of explaining Speedway to me as if I'd never been before. And so we got chatting about, about Speedway from then. And this is you know, four years or something like that ago. I eventually started my own podcast called Humans of Speedway. And Nigel was the second guest to come on it. And, you know, it was just amazing that he was like so up for doing it and so enthusiastic and there was nothing that you know nothing was too much trouble we had a right good chat uh, and we talked all about his you know his involvement with speedway and how he he's not just somebody who's become a commentator of speedway you know speedway it was in nigel's very fabric like it is you know probably all of us who are speedway fans you know we all very, very few people, I don't say we all, but very, very few people become Speedway fans middle-aged. You know, you, you, we've grown up with it. We've gone for years. We've gone as far as we can remember. That's how it is for the majority of people. And, and Nigel was no different. He grew up around the sport. And um, here he is talking about that. And I'm, I'm not afraid to play clips of him because that's what we remember him for. We remember him for his voice and for his stories. So here is Nigel Um talking about his his early days in the sport i used to live in in selby a little village outside selby called thorpe willoughby in north yorkshire in between leeds and york yeah and um that's where i spent the first years of my life until my father got a job down back in the west midlands which is where he's always been from originally anyway uh, hence the west bromwich albion link um and and we moved down to the west midlands when um in the early 80s now the first years of my life were spent going to Hull Speedway, watching the Vikings at the Boulevard. But also, once a month, we'd come down to my grandparents in the West Midlands at Cradley Heath and go to Cradley. And also, as an occasional treat on a Saturday, Dad would take me to the Shea to watch Halifax. On a Thursday, he'd take me to Ollerton to watch Sheffield. And on the odd occasion, he'd take me to Quibble Park to watch Scunthorpe as well. And I was gripped by it, absolutely gripped by it. You know, every Wednesday at the Boulevard, First thing I'd do after going through the turnstiles would go to the club shop. Dad would allow me one photograph per week of a rider, Bobby Beaton, Ivan Major, Joe Owen, Graham Jewelry, Frank Orfrit, whoever. Uh, then we'd get the programme. Um, Dad wouldn't let me uh, on the race card until I think I was about nine or ten. So he filled the programming because I was six when I went to the first meeting. And I was absolutely gripped by Speedway, Ian, and to the extent that you know, I, I talked. I talked school colleagues to, to 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 boredom really about it because they weren't interested. All they wanted to talk about was football and rugby, and I was talking to them about speedway. You know, uh, colleagues at, at school, fellow pupils at school, had got posters of Kevin Keegan and Eddie Gray up on their bedroom wall. I'd got Bobby Beaton and Ivan Major on my wall, and and I just loved it. And of course, he was once. Um, a co-promoter at Dudley Heathens and really got involved in the running of a club and learned quite a lot about what goes on for promoters and you know how frankly it'd be a thankless task as well um, but um, all for a club that he, he loved and all for a sport that he, he loved dearly as well. Let's hear from a couple of people who work the closest with Nigel um, on a daily basis. Um, we'll hear from Phil Lanning in just a moment, uh, legendary journalist in his own right, but spent a good deal of time working alongside Nigel, producing content for the Speedway Star, for um, programmes and various other publications as well. And of course, Phil is the son of the late, great Dave Lanning, who was 
such a huge influence on on Nigel's career and and his career path. Uh, first, though, let's hear from Ryan Guest, who, well, does a lot of stuff in Speedway, but I think it's all linked with Nigel in some way because, um, Ryan, you you work on programs, you work um, as a reporter for this podcast, but also the Speedway Star. You do Centre Green announcing at Sheffield, among other clubs. I think it's, uh, Brummies as well. You, you've done. Uh, and, and really, Nigel is the thread that runs through all of that, isn't he? Yeah, literally every single link. Um, when you look at look at the, the the work that I do, is is literally all linked through Nigel. Um, started back in 2014, um, just a, a chance pestering and pestering and pestering him via via email, which I think every young reporter who is given a chance probably did. And after a bit, I think he just gets fed up and eventually answers. But no. Um, Bumped into him in, in the U Rhinos the one night at a, at a boozer in Cradle Heath. Um, and he was like, right, uh, I know the name, so keep sending stuff and, and we'll get there. And yeah, he gave me an opportunity on the Golden Hammer program in 2014. And from there, it's just uh, it's grown. It's absolutely flown by. And as you've said, literally every every door that has been opened uh, has been because of, of Nigel, who he introduced me to. And um, I, I guess the um the the drive that that he helped with if that makes sense in terms of he he never he would never settle for less than your best so if he knew you were capable of more he'd push you in his own way and i think it's kind of he is kind of like a a football team manager in a way he knows he knows how to, or or knew how to get different people to click in different ways so with me and it, it's <laughs> it seems quite bizarre to some people with me, he used to have a phase of saying how rubbish it was, <laughs> telling you the idiotic mistakes that you had made, and then you'd think, oh, oh, blimey, yeah, he's right. But then 10 minutes later, he'd, he'd give you an honest, a, a more honest view and uh, correct you properly, advise how you could do better. And to be honest, I think that's, I think that's how I learned, particularly in the early days. But like you say, even, even now, seven and a, a half years on, Literally everything I do connected with Speedway is down to, to Nigel. And you're of an age where you've grown up in an era where Nigel is the voice of Speedway. There has been nobody else in your lifetime who's who's dominated the sport and, and the commentaries and, and all that kind of thing. And and for you, you know, he was a real icon that you, know, you a role model, should I say, as well. Yeah, as um, anyone who saw my social media or reads program columns that I've done for this week, literally at school college and university they always used to ask a question whose career path would you like to follow now obviously in doing a broadcast journalism degree or something along those lines the same old names would get churned out like John Motson for example was one that always used to come up just commentary and that and yeah I Nigel Pearson was just he was always the answer mainly because of obviously the speedway was massive for me growing up but just because he, he could cover such a wide variety of sports and yeah speedway darts and football are my top three sports as well that i like to follow um so i guess you could say he was a um a natural role model and that was before you got to know him after you do get to know him and not just the work that that he does on screen um behind the mic on on radio it's not until you get to know him personally and work with him more closely you realize the amount he does behind the scenes that goes unnoticed as well and I think a lot of people will only now start begin 
begin to realise that, um, yeah, now he's sadly gone. The majority of Speedway fans will think of Nigel and think of the stuff on the TV, you know, the commentaries. And yeah, sure, maybe the the stuff in the Speedway star and, and all that, but his work was way, way deeper than than many will ever realise. And I've likened it to one or two fans who have got in touch with me over the last week saying, you know, comparing Nigel to a bit of an, an iceberg as far as Speedway is concerned, we see quite a lot but it's just the tip the, the the majority of what Nigel did was completely off the radar unless you actually were involved in it and, and knew what was going on and it was a 24/7 operation for Nigel even in the off season wasn't it speedway yeah he he literally did never stop you just said 24/7 and with Nigel it was literally 24/7 from what i know he used to wake up more or less religiously at 6am every morning um if you hadn't had a, a text or an email by 7am um then then you knew something was wrong, usually a, a hangover a Guinness or something like that. But he, even to the moment he, he went to bed at midnight, um, he'd still be getting texts, especially if he'd been at a meeting. He'd want to make sure that the, the tasks that he'd set you before you were done, um, if you'd managed to pick anything else up in, a, in addition. But when you say 24-7, it's only about a week and a half ago, I had a, a text off him at half past three in the morning because he was fretting about one of his uh, programs signing off the next morning, and it was the first one of the season. And like you say, that was just another role that some people might may realise goes unnoticed. He was a program editor for a, a number of clubs, and yeah, he literally never never switched off. Um, and as you said, the, the, the amount of volume of work he does, we knew it anyway from working so closely with him, but even we, in the last few days are discovering the little extra bits that he that he did and I think it was I'm pretty sure it was Chris Van Stratton at, uh, at Wolverhampton Speedway described him as the finest media ambassador the sport has ever had and I think we're, we're, we're now gonna we're really gonna gonna understand that because Nigel went above and beyond to um, make sure clubs got got newspaper inches um, columns regular build-up regular reaction um, and yeah, it's uh, yeah. I know it's still very early days. It, it it's it's still bizarre right now. It is. It is so bizarre. Just that he's you're not getting those phone calls, and you're not getting those emails, and and you're you're expecting to hear from him. Especially for me today. You know, a week ago I was on the phone to him two or three times last Tuesday, talking about this podcast and what we're going to do. And and today, you know. We're having to fend for ourselves, and it sort of starts to feel a bit more real. Um, let's hear from Phil Lanning now. Phil Lanning is with us, um, journalist, of course, over many years, um, working alongside Nigel, um, colleagues, but also close friends as well. Um, your dad, Dave Lanning, of course, was the voice of Speedway through the 70s and 80s and that was the era that Nigel grew up in and I know that he's told me personally that you know he he idolized your dad's commentary and and all the things that y- your dad did for Speedway as well and uh, and and his sense of pride at, at following in his footsteps not just in Speedway but also in darts and, and another hero of his um Sid Waddell and for him to be working alongside those two for a period at Sky um, on the darts was, you know, a huge sense of achievement for for Nigel, and 
you know, meeting your idols and, and working with them, you know, he really felt he'd made it. And um, yeah, he, he such close ties with your family. Yeah, absolutely. Every word you said there is is spot on. Um, and it's interesting because I think in both those sports, darts and speedway, the, the audiences are particularly critical. They only like people they think are one of their own uh, to do those jobs. And, uh, and it's interesting and without being... So I mean, my dad was known as the voice of Speedway during the 70s. I think Nigel was the only person who truly took that mantle and became the modern voice of Speedway. I um, don't think anyone has ever been accepted. And, and it's, that's one of the greatest compliments in broadcasting, that Nigel's followed the likes of my dad, who was, who was, the, who was the trailblazer who put it on first, so he's obviously going to be regarded as that. In darts as well, to step into that scenario as a commentator and to... I don't think people realise the pressure that comes with that either. I don't think people realise that you, there is nothing there. You don't. There is no school for commentators. There's no way of winning over people. Very. You literally sink or swim. And for someone, and Nigel's done that in three sports. And it's not many. God, the BBC had had commentators down the years who've dipped into Olympics. like the Alan Weeks of this world who've who've ducked and dived. Barry Davis did Olympics and football. Not many have been the master of three and Nigel probably that's maybe his biggest achievement in lots of respects that to walk into a scenario like darts where they had big names like again Sid had been around for years right from the day one with my dad and then to come in and be on the back of other guys who'd like Stuart Pike and John Gwynn who were very well respected and he came he kind of came in seamlessly and and picked up a sport and understood its characters and People don't realise, there was an interesting thing, there was a, a, a tweet today with Hayes Lurvin on the snooker, which she had on the table, she had this massive folder of, uh, of information, of, of background and research. Nigel's research was absolutely sensational. And for all of this stuff that we've spoken about, all, <laughs> how he achieved that, I do not know, because there is you can't bluff your way through the, the stuff that Nigel's doing. You don't get away with it. You don't cut corners. You don't, you know this, if you're in broadcasting, you can't, when you're fo doing a football match and you're doing it for 90 minutes, you can't just think, oh, I'll, I'll, I won't do the research the night before and that player won't, because you know it's, you're going to need it. But he did that. But somehow, that broadcasting on its own was a 24-7 job. Yeah, all this stuff with Speedway, how he, I don't know how he ever got the time to sit with the pint at Wombourne Cricket Club and sit there. And I thought I, it was so rare to see that, but I, I honestly don't know how he did it. And there was times which I would, we were like, we acted like brothers at times because we'd squabble and we'd bitch and we'd fight about things and we'd we'd argue about things. But we would, we always wanted the end product to be right more than often than not. But one of the things I see, he had so many plates spinning at the same time and I think that, that but and his desire to get things right and to be word perfect and as, as Ryan has said you know that he fretted over you know, things we, again very had a very similar personality sort of this sort of very sort of insecure feeling that things would go wrong because if in, if he didn't keep a grip on things they would go wrong and uh, but again he, he has achieved you know he was taking ridiculously early but what he achieved in those in those years is is remarkable and again I, I totally agree with Ryan and that Speedway will not realize 
for months to come the amount that went on in the background and that he was the greatest spokesperson and ambassador for the sport and away from the broadcasting away from the programs away from everything all his he was speedway's biggest ambassador because the circles he kept in the media and the the producers the directors the the people who ran the shows at talksport at eurosport at bt sports at sky nigel constantly talked up a sport that has been long off the agenda and he gave it a, a lease of life with these very important people he had the ear of a lot of people and speedway will not probably feel the 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 real crunch of that for a while yet and it's going to hit hard because um he is as far as i'm concerned irreplaceable and uh and that's you know speedway will do its best and whatever i mean that's 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 not for a conversation for now but it's the greatest possible testament to him because he somehow did the most incredible job of, of keeping all these plates spinning. And I, I still, to this day, do not know how. And what was your first introduction to Nigel that you can remember when you were, you were first introduced to him as, as such? I've, I've known Nigel for years. We, we, we've, we've crossed paths for, I mean, I, I, you know what, I don't even, I, I, I first remember Nigel in, I seem to remember in the, in the mid-90s. I, I, that's in my Vegas, we, we'd crossed paths and we'd, we'd We'd had the same association with people and friends, and we'd crossed paths, and, and we had spoken, but we didn't. And we'd spoken in 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 during the two thousands and stuff at different times. But the crunch moment where it all changed was that um, it was after the Bellevue's first meeting in in twenty sixteen, which went obviously went pear shaped, and I'd gone there with my children. And I was. I was fuming on, I remember tweeting some angrily because the meeting was called off and I got, it was three days, three or four days later, we were obviously at the, it was in the bowels of uh, the Echo Arena in Liverpool uh, for the darts and I was sitting in the press room and Nigel walked in and he used to, Nigel used to refer to me as like, uh, like my dad used to refer to him, he used to call me, hello squire, dear boy, it was all that, that's how he, because that's how my dad talked, spoke to people for some reason. But Nigel, and it's funny because Nigel said this to a couple of other people, There's, it's been interesting things that he's certain how he used to speak to other people have come out in the last few days. And it's very similar. He had sayings for everybody in little, little sort of affectionate terms. Um, but we came in and he said, he came into the press room in Liverpool and he was like, crikey, you were going off the other day. And I, and I actually said to him, who the hell is running British Speedway? And I said to him, what's going on with this Bellevue thing? And we got talking and... And he said and he didn't realise I'd gone. I'd, I'd left the Sun as as full time and that I was freelance. And he said, oh, "We should come and do some stuff. Would you fancy us?" Yeah, yeah, at some stage. But don't send me to Bellevue this week. The irony being, the last time I saw him was at the National Speedway Stadium on on Tuesday, and um, and it went from there really. And we and we we kept speaking from then on. And, and it's a little bit like Ryan has just said. Nigel opened a door, and the next minute. You were sort of snowballed into every angle. <laughs> you sort of it was. You became part of this sort of monstrous machine of content of of programs and SGB and Speedway stars. So it's, but it was, it was brilliant because underneath it all, we we did get on very well, and we we as I said we did we did fuss and fight, and we did have this, but constantly all we wanted was the right thing, 
and we're quite similar in that sense. And um, and as I say, that went on and on. We we kind of started working more and more. And I and one of the other things we, against we, there's a whole melting pot of things here which Nigel have done. But obviously, it's very close to home for me as well, and and something. I'll be for, forever grateful for, and and I know I can speak for my son as well. It's just like Ryan and Joe, and there's there's a whole host of people he gave their first opportunity to, and he had a a very very brilliant knack of spotting people with ability, and 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 he saw something in my son. He saw something very quickly that we. I think that there was an opportunity for Taylor to do so. He saw some of the stuff Taylor had done and he brought him on and the encouragement, I saw the visible encouragement he gave him. And I'm sure Ryan will probably say the same, that he's, he, he, it was funny what he, what Ryan was saying about the sort of how he, he did exactly the same with Taylor. It was this kind of good cop, bad cop thing used to go on. He used to say, you know, used to take the mickey and berate him over little things and say, you didn't do this right and you didn't do that. But he, at the same time, he had a very clever way of praising and keeping his belief going, um, even though when he was having a bad day or whatever. And he brought him on tremendously. And, and we started the live the live pictures from meetings on SGB uh, in, in, in sort of 2017, 2018, more 2018, which made a big difference. And, um, and again, I, 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 know, I, I know Taylor's utterly crushed because he was his first apart from from me but he was the first mentor who and but for again to have someone like a role model like Nigel pushing you someone who you're Taylor seeing either doing commentaries on talk sport or he's hearing him or he's on BT sport whatever and then that person is guiding him as well and and treating him like one of his own Nigel treated everybody again I guarantee you that Ryan and Joe will say that Nigel was exactly the same to them. He put his arm around them. He, he treated like like one of his own sons. You know, he, he would at the same time. It was it was like a father. Everything was like a father something because it'd be like that kind of. He would give you grief, but at the same time, he'd manage to pick you up when you needed it. And um, he spot. You look at the media and Speedway now. You look at the you look at the the people that Nigel's brought through. Look at his legacy. I mean, there's, there's a good chance that there's a there's a good chance that there's about sort of five or six people who had nothing to do with. Would be not, young people, which the sport desperately needs, are now firmly cemented in the sport as and, and for the future, which Speedway wouldn't have had. Speedway didn't have any young journalists at all before Nigel came along. He's brought everybody on. So, so, no, so for me personally, for that, not only did he bring me into it, but from he he brought Taylor into it as well, and that's his. He has a huge legacy in that sense. It's a huge legacy that I think. Many people won't realise until, as you say, a lot, a lot further down the line. Um, Ryan, for you, um, what would be your fond memories then of Nigel? Because you've spent a lot of time with Nigel over the years. What, what, uh, what are the moments that you will you'll look back on with with the most fondness? Honestly, it, it's. I think it is one of those scenarios. He's one of those people. It's impossible to to pick one from. Um, it's not just the. The speedway side. I was also fortunate enough to spend some time with uh, Sports Talk events um, with Nigel Pearson and, and William Adamson, um, particularly on the um, Pearson and Tatum pre-season tour uh, that they did for a, 
a few years traveling around different different tracks, different uh, towns and cities. And it was their way of of building up to the season. And yes, the two hours they spent on stage, they were t- they were Nigel Kelv, they were Tatum and Pearson, they were getting everyone in the mood. The appetite was being whetted. And yeah, like I say, it was a, a dream come true for me because, as you say, I grew up as a kid watching Nigel Kelv presenting on um, on TV. But it was the stuff behind the scenes. And when we look back now, Nigel being Nigel, he always had around his night off with a pint of Guinness and a curry. And just the silly little things, just thinking back over the weekend, whenever, whenever he used to ask for the bill and they brought the card machine round, even if he'd been to the same curry house three times that week, he would always round off by doing the same thing. They'd hand the card machine over and he'd pretend to press the buttons and go, can I have a taxi, please? <laughs> And it's just that that was Nigel. He, ne- he never took himself too seriously. He had some some crude, some absolutely rubbish jokes, some rubbish impressions, but they always made you feel so so at ease. You knew you were always in great company. Um, and but yeah, like I said, I could talk about so many memories. It's hard to pinpoint one, but more than anything I was just um I'm just glad I was fortunate enough and, and lucky enough to, to spend so much time in his company both um in a, a professional sense and uh, for, from a, a personal perspective as well he had this other side to him as well where he used to try and give this persona that he nothing really really bothered him but the more you got to know him and look he would he wouldn't mind us saying this now the more you got to know him the more you realized maybe it actually does and I think one of the most comforting things for uh, myself in a way to try and deal with it this weekend has been refreshing social media constantly. And every time you're refreshed, there is a new batch of, of tribute messages or posts or anything. And you know what? He, he always used to say, not many people like me, but I just wish, I just wish he could have one last night on his phone now with Twitter open because I think he'd be pleasantly surprised and I think he deserves all the all the great tributes, all the words that have been said, whether it's people who, who know him well or whether it's uh, people who've only encountered him for a, a quick selfie or a, a quick autograph who've said how, how pleasant he was as well. And um, yeah, probably got a bit sidetracked there. Like I say, it's just, it's such a bizarre, bizarre feeling. Um, I was at Wolverhampton on Monday and his wife Kerry, um, his daughter Sarah, and the two young boys uh, Liam and Jake, all his family and friends were there. And in a way, I felt I felt quite embarrassed because when we did the uh, minutes applause for him, it it kind of hit home, but it didn't. And it, it we got quite emotional, and then we looked across, obviously. At, at his family who, who were obviously suffering more than anyone right now and they were so they were so calm and, and, and composed and like you say just he, he's left he's left a legacy um, a professional legacy um, that, that so many people can take so many inspirations from and like you say we're fortunate enough to have worked from him and the likes of myself and, and Joe Appleton and, and, and all the other people who've worked for Nige we now want to do our best to try and and carry that on and do him proud but it's also a story that people can look back on who never knew him the next generation of, of journalists whether they're at, at school college or university now 
see what he achieved, as Phil said, not just in one sport, not just in two sports, but in three sports, um, on radio, TV and print. And yeah, he's, um, he's going to be missed, but, but what an inspiration, what a, what a role model. And the same question to you, Phil. Um, obviously, for, for many years, you've, you've uh, worked alongside Nigel. Uh, you've had your battles, but you've, you've had your moments as well. And, and what, are the, what are the times that you will look back on with the most fondness when you remember Nigel? He was my biggest confidant. I mean, he was, as I said, he was like a, a, a brother to me. I mean, we, again, in a professional sense, that we would, we, would ha- we would cross swords now and again. But that was a, a natural thing because we were both trying to get things right half the time and we, ha- we had different opinions. But at the same time, when something kicked off or if we weren't happy about something, we would be each other's... He'd be ringing me up and he'd rant at me about something and I would do the same to him a- about things which hadn't gone right or um, I have to say his like I referred to before his his the way he treated my son I think that I think that's my my abiding memories would be the last that because he gave Taylor some stick and in a funny way that he the the, I, I, the last thing he said I mean he, the, there was a couple of last things he said to me at, at Bellevue on Tuesday but the one thing last thing he said to Taylor was he was trying to set up after he'd done the interviews with the riders. And this is a constant thing he did to Taylor everywhere he went. It was the same, the same joke. It was funny that Ryan was saying he had the same thing. And uh, and then when the uh, Nigel had finished doing the interviews with the riders, Taylor wanted to get a picture together with the riders. Um, and he was going, oh, can you? and Taylor went up and said, oh, right, can you do this? And Nigel's going, hang on a minute, uh, I'll have to translate for you. you can't, what, what was that? What was that? I can't hear you. Oh, it's the... Scottish accent, and Taylor every single time fell for it. Every went what, and he, and, he, and he said, "I can't hear you. What is it?" And um, and it was he used to give Taylor so much stick like that. And Taylor used to love it. But and there was a time when Taylor travelled down because he was going to a playoff meeting with Nigel, and he travelled. He got the train down to Wolverhampton or somewhere, and I, I don't know what happened. They, they were meeting up somewhere. It turned up he was getting a taxi from to Womble and to meet Nigel. And on the way. Everywhere Taylor goes, he had a hot chocolate and a pan of chocolate. And it was like Nigel used to give him grief about this because he's like, you know, bloody middle class, typical Lanning, you know. And uh, and when he got to the, we were trying to direct Taylor in in this cab. And Nigel said, I live in a cul-de-sac on this text message to Taylor. And Taylor sent it back to me. What does this mean? He said, what's what's this C-U-L-D-E-S-A-C? And I said this, Nigel said, he doesn't know what a cul-de-sac is. He, says, he knows what a pan of chocolate is, but he doesn't know what a cul-de-sac is. And everywhere he went, he's just, he's just, just say to him, cul-de-sac, pan of chocolate. And he just grieved, but he treated him like one of his own. And he, and he just constantly was like that. It was constant stupid stuff. And, and it kept you smiling, even, even in the most times of when things would get, would get fraught with deadlines and stuff, he, he still made you laugh. And, um, and that's, that's the things that I will take away from him. And, and, Naturally, as as a father, when when he's so good to one of your own kids, it's um and so such a good guide and such a good role model that it's uh that's going to be my fondest and abiding memory of him, and uh, and not he he wouldn't let me. He said if I didn't do, we went to Walls one night, and he says if I I said I said I refused to do some program copy for him because he was being cheeky to me, and he refused to. He bought me an ice cream and refused to put raspberry sauce on it. That was that was the like he said you're not getting raspberry sauce and I didn't even know what that was because it was a, it's a Midlands thing I think raspberry sauce on your ice cream, you know so that was 
that's stupid stuff like that. He was, he was, he was a, he was just a good lad. He was just a really good lad and a really good bloke. The thoughts of Phil Lanning and Ryan Guest, two people who worked extremely closely with Nigel Pearson on on a daily basis for a number of years now. You're listening to No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast, as we pay tribute to one of the great figures of British Speedway over the last 20 years or so, Nigel Pearson, who passed away last week. Let's hear from some more of those who knew Nigel well, including, first of all, a rider who was involved in that moment when Ty Woffenden won his third world title, because Ty didn't actually win that race, he came second. The person who won the race was Niels Christian Everson, and uh, he's been paying his respects to Nigel Pearson. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was quite sad, uh, really, really sad, actually, when, when I heard about it, there was came as quite a sh- uh, as a shock, you know, because uh, he didn't seem to to have anything wrong with him. And, uh, but obviously, it's a, it's a massive loss to 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 the sport, you know. He's uh, he's all the voice of uh, the sport, uh, Grand Prix, uh, league racing, everything. You know, he did a lot of uh, media stuff for many clubs, a lot of a lot of things. So you know, no one will ever be able to to fill in his shoes and. Uh, and again, you know, it's, uh, he was a smashing guy as well, so, um, you know, always had a smile on his face and, and just a pleasure to be around. So, so no, it's uh, obviously sad for the sport, but even, even more sad for his, uh, for his family and, and closest friends and, uh, yeah, sending all the condolences to, to, the, to the people that are close to him so in this very, very difficult time. There's Niels Christian Everson. Right now, let's hear from a rider who has given Nigel much to shout about over the course of his career and then followed that up by working alongside him on the Grand Prix coverage over the past few years. Here's the thoughts of Scott Nichols, the seven-time British champion. Yeah, it's um, just shock. I mean, even even today, it's still really hard to take it in. Um, like I said, Nigel just, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of has been the voice of Speedway for, for a, in this era. Um See, I've worked alongside him and had, you know, many a joke with him. And like I said, his his commentary has been fantastic. And um, you know, he does an awful lot behind the scenes with Speedway as well and the social media. It's not just Speedway as well; it's darts. I mean, it's just uh, a massive hole that uh, you know can't really be filled. And it's just yeah, right now it's just a case of shock. Like I said, I really can't kind of take it in. You kind of you sort of think it's not real, but sadly, the reality is it is. And um, yeah, my, my deepest condolences and thoughts are with his family, friends and loved ones. Can you imagine that someone's so good at three different sports? I mean, to speedway, darts and football, they're all pretty different in their own way. And to be able to turn your hand to all of that and do it so well is amazing, really. It is. It's a you know a huge skill set. Like I say, Speedway is very unique, as you all know. It's a, you know, it's such fast pace and to be able to commentate on that is a, is a definite skill. Um, but it is a, the knowledge he had for us as well. You know, it's... Um, you know, people can read up on things, but I mean, he was just a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, it's a passion. You know, that's that's the thing is people can do certain jobs as a job. Um, but you know, Nigel, from a speedo perspective, had been around it from a, from a very young age, and he knew knew the stories, he knew the riders, he knew them personally, and obviously he was around Speedway, so um, he'll be he'll be hugely missed. That's Dave Rowe speaking with Scott Nichols. Now, Dave himself has worked with Nigel Pearson for many, many years. We're talking well over two decades and um, has shared many highs and lows over that time and, of course, was due to be joining Nigel in Eurosports coverage this coming year. 
Let's hear Dave Rowe's own tribute to Nigel Pearson now. I've known Nigel for around 20 years. Uh, my first real involvement was when he asked me to cover a, a Wolverhampton meeting at uh, Peterborough doing various newspaper reports. That was in the days when you had to actually phone through the newspaper copy. You couldn't email it. You had to phone it through and uh, give all the Polish pronunciations and so on. Um, but I really enjoyed it um, and gradually that got me involved in um, other aspects of Speedway Media. Uh, it eventually led to me going full-time freelance in 2004. Um, There's no doubt that as Nigel's career really took off in the mid-2000s, it definitely benefited me. Um, We worked together on many things, and I would say over those 20 years, um, on average, we've spoken on the phone at least once a day, and, and often more than that. I was really delighted for him when he took over as lead Speedway commentator on Sky, he was undoubtedly the right man for the job. Um, although, of course, the the Nigel and Calvin combination actually took some time to come because Calvin at the time generally did the co-presenting with Jonathan Green, you might recall, and uh, only a bit, a bit later on did he go into the commentary box with Nigel on a regular basis. Um, Nigel was, was rated all over the industry, and that's absolutely no surprise. He had such a strong, um, distinctive broadcast voice. His commentaries had such great authority, he knew the sports he was communicating, whether it was speedway or darts or football, he would always do it in a way that would grab the attention of casual viewers. We we can all joke about the catchphrases, we we all had our bingo cards, trust me, we all had our bingo cards, and actually many of us used to text him during the broadcasts, responding to something he'd said. Um, But over those three sports, Nigel has set incredible standards and certainly in Speedway, there simply there will not be a way of replacing him. You wouldn't replace you, you can't replace the Nigel and Kelvin combination. It was it was quite simply one of a kind. And the way they interacted on air was exactly how they were off air as well. And it's so rare to find um a commentary pairing in, in any sport who who bounce off each other in in that way i've i've got so much to thank nigel for um including helping me find a way to talk sport for football reporting um this was back in 2006 he said he'd um he put a word in for me uh, i'm still there now 15 16 years on um and there have been some unbelievable tributes from our colleagues at TalkSport over the last few days on air they've done an incredible job um nigel was respected by everyone in the sports he covered the speedway riders, darts players, footballers, managers he dealt with at local clubs. Um, you can see that the respect from the the tributes, the number of tributes that have been paid and how heartfelt they've been. Um, he was massively hardworking. He did so much for Speedway in the media and the industry has, has changed so much. It's changed beyond recognition over the years. He totally embraced the, the need for social media. He gave opportunities to younger people to help out with that and to improve what we've been doing in that respect. He did an amazing job in the, in the lockdown year to keep Speedway in people's minds. And actually, this this podcast is something also that he was really passionate about. We'd said for a while we wanted a regular professional show that was a good listen and, and, and projects a, a good image for the sport. And what's happened with that has been a big success. And a lot of that is down to down to Nigel's uh, work in, in, in putting it all together in the first place. The one thing I, the one thing I don't understand is, is for a man who was so busy and so committed to his work is, is how on earth he found time for his family. But I know that he did. Um, he was so happy with Kerry and their two boys. He loved seeing his elder daughter as well. 
Um, I could almost predict the times of the year when he'd asked me to cover things um, for a few days whilst he went away. Um, Nigel and Kerry, brilliant parents, and my heart so much goes out to Kerry, and she has been so strong over the, over the last few days. Um, what happened last week is something that you really, I think you only read about it. It doesn't happen to people, you know, but, but this time it has. Um, we did the, um, the Eurosport launch at Bellevue on Tuesday. He was in great form, um, banter with all the managers and riders. Absolutely nothing was wrong. Um, we spoke on Wednesday when, ironically, when Birmingham got, got called off. Um, he then texted me later on about 530 um, and then I got a call first thing on Thursday morning telling me what had happened. Um, and I'm convinced that everybody who received that call would have reacted in the same way because 52 years old and to go so suddenly is just not fair. As I said, um, I had so, so much respect for Nigel, especially the side you didn't, you didn't see on TV. And that was just a friendly guy who looked after his friends and was, he was brilliant company. I am going to miss him terribly. Um, the only thing I can say is that he loved the sport, I loved the sport, I went to two meetings over the weekend and I didn't know how I'd react, um, in fact I got asked to stand in as announcer at Leicester at short notice on Saturday, thoroughly enjoyed it, once the racing was on I was engrossed in it and it, this is a cliche but I'm sure that is what he would have wanted. I, uh, and I'm sure all of my colleagues writing or broadcast, we want to carry on and keep building on his incredible work, but there is no doubt that things aren't going to be the same. Thanks, Nigel. Had a blast working with you. That's Dave Rowe and uh, his tribute to Nigel Pearson, and, and I echo what Dave says there because it isn't the same. You know, Nigel not being here, obviously, is, is not the same. Um, but as far as a lot of the work that, that you don't see, we, we, know that, we know what Nigel's standards were. We know what he would demand and, and the sort of things he would do. And I think where, as much as we can, I think there is a a drive and a determination among uh, as many of us that have ever worked with Nigel to, to continue that because it was all good stuff. It was the right stuff and it was the stuff that was making a difference. And whilst we can't replace Nigel, we can't replace his personality and his voice, but we can try and continue to, to work to his methods as much as we can to, to continue to push the sport forward, which is what we all want as well and what certainly what Nigel would want. Let's hear from Lee Kilby now. Um, of course, uh, co-promoter at Swindon, um, had involvement with Birmingham in the last season or so as well and, and worked closely with Nigel uh, in many areas um, and sharing a love of only fools and horses, as you'll hear in just a moment. Uh, here's Lee Kilby and his tribute to Nigel Pearson. It's hard to know where to start, really, um, with Nigel. I think we're all still in shock. Um, you know, so sudden, so unexpected. Um, and the news hit hard for, for so many people. And that's, I think that's testimony to what an incredible guy Nigel was. And, and you know, I'm I, I, like so many, I miss him. You know, we, we spoke a lot on the phone. He was always really supportive for me. He was working at Swindon when I started there, um, doing the programme and the online content. And, and, and he was a big help, you know, he was a big help. Um, but we, we got on, we got, we, we, we've always got on and, you know, we, we spoke quite a lot on the phone and Only Fools and Horses was, would dictate a lot of, of, of what me and Nigel spoke about. And it makes, you know, it brings a little smile to my face now just thinking about it because one of us was always a plonker. Um, you know, one of us was always Boise, one was Trigger. Um, and and when, I, when I heard the news, when, when it was confirmed that Nigel had passed, I, 
I took my dog for a walk. I put my earphones in and I listened to the episode of Only Fools and Horses where where Dowboy falls through the bar, because that was that was my nightiest thing. You know, play it cool, trig, play it cool, son. Know what I mean? And then we'd say it to each other all the time. And I had to go out and listen to it. And I walked the dog for an hour and I listened to that whole episode on my on my on my on from from my phone and. You know, it's, it's, I'll remember him fondly. What an incredible guy he was for Speedway. I know he worked in other sports, but, you know, for my sport, Speedway, he was, he was like no one else. You know, he did more, he talked about it more, he put it into the media more. And he was an incredible voice of Speedway. You know, again, we laughed on many an occasion about the stick that he would receive from people. And, you know, I received a lot of stick over the last, last 12 months. And he was such a support, you know. He said, look, you just got to ignore it and laugh it off. And, and we did. And he was, he was exceptional for that with me so uh, I, I'll miss him massively I have to say but I will always remember him with a with a with a big smile and I always look forward to seeing him so you know we'll continue to do our, our best for him this year obviously I'm doing a little bit of work with BSN and the streaming um, and whenever I do that I'll, I'll be thinking of Nigel because he was you know out of anybody that was watching the the BSN show I think it would have been him more than any other I'd have been ringing afterwards to say how did I do how did I do so maybe when I get to the end of my first couple of meetings, I will look up to the sky and ask him how I've got on. So, yeah, rest in peace, Nigel. You will never, ever be forgotten. You're a wonderful guy. Um, and we will see each other again sometime. Um, and in true Dowboy fashion, bonjour, Nigel. Bonjour. Hello, this is Mike Taylor from BBC Radio WM. I met Nigel for the first time on my second day in radio. Uh, it was at a football game at Ipswich. And it was a little over 25 years ago. And of course, I came across him countless times since um, at Speedway, at football and various other surroundings. You'd ring him up or bump into him somewhere. He was always, as you know, helpful and encouraging and great fun. And especially when we were began to cover more Speedway through BBC Radio WM, Nigel went out of his way to help us on so many occasions. He was so often the person we would go to for advice or the right person to talk to. Um, and the support and encouragement he gave to, to me and to my colleagues was, was enormous. And uh, he would really go the extra distance for us on so many times, but was always great company and enthusiastic uh, with a story to tell. I admired him enormously. I looked up to him. Uh, I thought of him as a leader in our line of work and, and, and someone I would you know, do well to, to emulate and follow his example. Um, but it did always surprise me how modest he often was when he talked of his own achievements or when you asked him or congratulated him on his own success. Sometimes he didn't seem as though he quite believed his own success. But you all know, as I do, just how hard he worked for it and, and how he really was... Um, a leader in, in our industry. There were a lot of things that he spoke of warmly and excitedly from West Bromwich Albion to Featherstone Rovers Rugby League um, to uh, a, a good Guinness um, and a good pie when he was at football. Uh, always Speedway, of course, and there were, there were so many stories of uh, places in the past from whole Vikings to uh, Oddsall to his time with uh, growing up watching the heathens uh, and to all the personalities and people he knew and met and enjoyed the company of um, more than any of those things though he spoke warmest of all of his family and I don't know Nigel's family but I 
almost felt like I did from the way that he talked about them um, so frequently. Their family trips to York very much excited him in recent years. Um, and only the last time I saw him a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about having taken one of his lads to football and how much he'd enjoyed it. He really was the proudest father and husband and family man. And uh, knowing that... Was it made the news of last week even more shaking? Um, me and my colleagues were passing messages around the other night when we began to hear the news, and we really were deeply shaken by it. As I, I'm certain you all were too. But we will remember Nigel in the, the most fondly, um, and we shall miss him very much um, in all the places where we know we'd have bumped into him this year and far beyond. Um, so, the greatest sympathies to all of you for you, all of his. Um, countless friends uh, in Speedway and far beyond, and most of all to Nigel's family. Our very deepest and warmest wishes to you. There's Mike Taylor from BBC Radio WM and his tribute to Nigel Pearson. This is No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. Next, we're going to hear from Joe Appleton. Now, Joe has worked probably as closely with Nigel over recent years as anyone you could dare name, as you'll hear in in Joe's piece, you know, speaking with Nigel on a daily basis, updating the British Speedway websites and social media and all of those things that need regular attention. And Nigel was across all of that, making sure that the right things were posted at the right times. And that was a partnership with Joe that was really key to bringing British Speedway into the digital age. Let's hear from Joe Appleton now, speaking about Nigel. Four days on, and I'm still struggling to comprehend the unimaginable loss of a two grey to two friend, um, Nigel Pearson. Nigel and my dad were, were the best of mates at school. Um, they went to King's Swinford School after, after Nigel um, made the move from, from Yorkshire way um, and came down to the Midlands. Um, they followed Crady Speedway up and down, up and down the UK throughout the season. West Bromwich Albion home and away. Um, Nigel loved his rugby. They um they travelled up and down, following the rugby and any any major major event they could they could get to. You bet they were there, from the world final in Amsterdam, to to Hillsborough for a, for an FA Cup semi final. Um, they were there side by side. Nigel and my dad lost contact for a few years, um, but dad would always fill me in about the the great stories of of Nigel starting out on hospital radio and working his way to the top, um, and he always spoke about Nigel with with great pride. Um, growing up, I've I've always wanted to move into the into the world of sports media, sports journalism, and I'd I'd often drop Nigel an email just to try and force my way in and and, and grab an opportunity. Um, Nothing came of it originally, um, and then one year we were at the um, the Diamond Lodge Hotel in Manchester at the Speedway Nations, and my my dad and um, and I bumped into each other and we got talking. Um, I mentioned about my love for for sports media and, and and trying to work my way into the industry, and and Nige, to his to his credit, offered me a offered me a great opportunity. He said, "Wolves Kingsley Monday." Do me a report, pal. Um, fire, fire it off to my email, and and we'll go from there. Well, the the rest is is history, as you say. Um, I filed that report on Monday after a lot of hard work, and um, and within a week, he he was on the phone and he handed me my first big opportunity to cover to cover 
Cradley Heathens versus um, Leicester Lion Cubs at, at Monmouth Green. Um, and ever since then, I've 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 gone from strength to strength and worked worked under Nige for for three years now. Social media, ver- various outlets, and he's always been a massive believer in giving aspiring journalists an opportunity, and he's always put his faith and belief behind them. And and we've spoke every every morning for for three years. Um, the standards he has set, the professionalism he's instilled in me, is something that I will I will never forget, and I, I will always truly be grateful. I owe Norwich so much. I owe, and and that more one big regret is I didn't get to tell him how much I appreciated everything he did for me. Uh, Thursday night at Ollerton when I was made aware of the the severity of the situation, but had to had to had to keep my cool and and try and and try and crack on. And I, I truly believe that the characteristics Nigel has, has learnt me and the, and across the years has is what got me through that night, knowing the severity of of Nigel's situation. Everyone who know Nigel knows Nigel and has saw all the tributes across social media understands how much of an impact he had on everyone's life. I don't think anyone understands um, everything he did for British Speedway behind the scenes. Despite all his broadcasting commitments in darts, football, for talk sports, guy sports, BT sport, etc. Nigel would always be on the end of the phone with any any queries you had. He'd always support you in anything you wanted to you wanted to do. I'll never, I'll never forget our, our phone calls every morning. He'd, he'd, I'd answer the phone and he'd be like, "Morning, pal. Um, everything under control. Head of a busy, um, a busy day's racing to to cover on social media." And um, his voice and his presence generally lit up everyone's day. Even if you didn't see him, you knew Nigel, Nigel would be there, and the, and and the respect he demanded from everyone was was clear for all to see. I genuinely still can't believe we'll never have one of our conversations on the way to work every morning uh, or share a Guinness after a after a meeting at Bellevue in the Diamond Lodge rest easy mate I can't thank you enough for the platform you've given me in life and and, and me and your and me and your team will do everything we can to do you proud the tributes paid to Norwich on Bank Holiday Monday both at, at Bellevue and Wolverhampton were truly fitting of, of the great man he was um, and seeing Kerry, his wife, his three children, Sarah, Jake, and Liam, there with his with his father and and his mother on the centre green, um, there to see just what impact Norwich had on everyone was 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 pr- was a proud moment for all of those as well as as well as the heartbreak and and anguish they're probably feeling right now. Um, all my thoughts. Go to them in this absolutely devastating situation. And British Speedway will truly never be the same without Norwich. No one can replace Norwich. Such a true, great ambassador of our sport. Rest easy, pal. Someone who's a, a long-time friend and at one point uh, was working with Nigel on the TV coverage um, a while back is Jason Harold and here's his thoughts on Nigel. I'm going to miss Nigel's random phone calls. Usually they came after an Albion night game as 
I was driving back home down the M5. He'd be laughing down the phone, especially at himself, badly singing radio jingles. To excel, like he did in so many sports, takes a lot of talent and a lot of hard work. And I know the only thing he loved more than his job was his family. He absolutely adored them. And my sincere condolences go to Kerry and Sarah and Liam and Jake. Rest easy, our kid. You are a fantastic colleague, but you're an even better friend. The thoughts there of Jason Harold. Next, let's hear from Hayley Bromley, Centre Green announcer and press officer at Bellevue Speedway and also a member of the British Speedway Network presenting team as well. She's encountered Nigel on many occasions on his trips to the National Speedway Stadium. And here's some of her thoughts. I didn't have the privilege of working with him quite as much as some of my colleagues have in Speedway. Um, but on the few occasions that I, I did, you know, I I personally never felt any hesitation in saying, you know, if you need an extra pair of hands to do some extra content for your programmes, Nigel, I'm more than happy to do it. And he was always very receptive to that. And um, for me, it was never any trouble to help him out because it was never any trouble for him to help you out if you needed him for, for whatever it was however little um he he was just a very very kind very genuine and very cheerful person um and certainly you know we on on the easter monday fixture at bellevue um you know his, his absence for me was noticeable because he would always turn up. I mean, our traditionally on Good Fridays and, you know, Easter Mondays or whatever, you know, we would start our meetings early and we'd serve brunch in the Peter Craven suite. And Nigel, if he could, would always come up early so that he could have his have his breakfast in, in the suite before before the meeting. And um and it was noticeable that he wasn't there on uh, on Monday. Um and um I think you know, it. I couldn't explain to you why it's hit me quite as badly as it has. But um, you know, we did our minute silence and then our minutes applause um, for Nigel before our meeting with Wolverhampton. Um, and when we were doing the minutes applause, um, we played the commentary from the famous Max Frick race on the speakers in the stadium, and it was at that moment that it. I could just. It just just the realization that you know we're we're two weeks away from the first meeting on TV and um, you know um, it just hit me that we're we're never gonna see or hear him again and um, you know Speedway on TV without Nigel Pearson is gonna be so so strange um, because to me he was the voice of Speedway. Um, and it was, it was difficult to, to keep it together, um, on Monday, hearing that playing over the speakers and realising that, um, it's, it's just so unfair, um, but, you know, I'm sure that, uh, Nigel wouldn't want us to, um, to, 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 you know, be down, um, you know the the work he's done for this sport. You know, not just in terms of the the Speedway press office, in terms of the media broadcast, but you know for individual clubs as well. All the work he's done on their social media. Um, you know, he's built an incredible 
foundation for us um, in that respect. And the best thing that we can do um, to honour him is is to build on that as we move forward and to keep growing what he started and and really just just to make him proud I think um it's it's going to be hard um as I say he affected more people than I think probably he even he realized he affected um but the best thing we can do to honor Nigel's memory is to keep moving forward with this sport and to make him proud and even though it was only a few times that I worked with him I can say with no hesitation that I was proud. I was proud to know Nigel. I was proud to work for him. And I was proud to be able to call him my friend. So, Nigel, we're going to keep going for you. And we will make you proud. And I really hope that we can make you proud. Rest in peace. That's the thoughts of Hayley Bromley, a very emotional tribute to Nigel Pearson. The sheer shock of it, the the fact that it doesn't really feel real, you know, is, is are the, are the emotions that a lot of people are feeling right now, both members of, of the public, you know, people who, who know Nigel purely from hearing him on the TV through to those who, who worked with him on, on a daily basis. It, it just doesn't seem real. It's, it's a hard one to process. The person I was speaking to less than a week ago, um, full of life, full of vigour, ringing me up, doing a mock Yorkshire accent down the phone at me as he always used to do, is just vanished, you know. And it's 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 hard for for everyone. But um, hopefully, these tributes have helped you learn a bit more about the man that Nigel was. And sometimes, you know, it's not always the case that the person that you see on the TV is the person you get in real life. It doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes it's not a good idea to meet your heroes. But Nigel was was everything that you get on the TV and more. You know, it was just it was it was exactly the same as speaking to the guy on the TV. <laughs> That's the thing I remember speaking to him on the phone. It's like this is just like having a commentary down my phone on something really boring, but uh, making it sound really exciting. Monmore was a very special place for Nigel Pearson. Uh, let's hear from the Wolves press officer right now and somebody who worked very very closely with um, Nigel Pearson on pretty much a daily basis uh, this is Jamie Griffiths of Wolves Speedway what can I say about Nigel um you know I think it shocked all of us you know over the weekend it certainly has you know upset me and I know it has others um I've known Nigel for a few years personally um more so over the last few months um, we've been working alongside each other um I can't tell you how much I'm going to miss these um, these calls uh, just out the blue almost every day. Um, I'll do anything for that now. Um, growing up, I've always you know looked up to Nigel. I've been watching him, you know, as a youngster from sort of 2006, 2007 time on the TV. Um, you know, he's an inspiration to us all, and you know the way he's treated myself and members of his team. Um, it's just inspiring, and you know, if I've become half the person he has, then I've, I've I've done well in life. Um, you know, personally, you know, I, he, Nigel's just the, the perfect guy. Um, he always puts others first. He always makes sure you're okay. Um, he's not afraid to say what he thinks, but he also pushes you 
to do well and to to go forward. Um, you know, going towards the end of last season, um, we went to Kingsland's um, presentation night. I worked with him alongside there, and um, you know, spent the evening with him, and uh, had breakfast with him the next day. And I can't say um, how much I'll cherish that moment now. So, um, you know, you know, I just aspire to be like him. So, and um, you know, the speedway has lost truly a giant of the sport. So thanks for everything, Nigel. Um, you'll always be in our thoughts. Thanks, mate. Let's hear one more tribute right now here from another of um, of the lads that work with Nigel. And, and as we mentioned earlier, Nigel has, has given so many people their opportunities in in sports journalism. So many people have been given their break. And, and here's another one, uh, Robin Allen and his tribute to Nigel. Nigel Pearson, well, what can you, you say about the man? For me... Um, he was a boss, he was a friend, um, he was someone that could always help you when you needed it the most. Uh, for me, I look at the things I've done in the last four or five years and to be quite fair, um, a lot of it, if not all, wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Nigel Pearson. and. I look at some of the things that I've achieved and writing for publications like Speedway Star Magazine and, and stuff like that, it simply wouldn't be possible if it if it wasn't for Nigel. And I'm not ashamed to say that I had some, some personal problems sort of towards the end of 2017 and my dad sadly passed away from leukaemia and uh, I got a, a tweet on Twitter from, from Nigel saying... Um, can you call me please and it was what the first week in December and I was like okay that's a bit strange and um I called him up and we had a bit of a conversation and before I know it I'm an employee of Nigel Pearson Media and pretty much the rest is history and just yeah the the man is more than what you see on a TV screen he's more than what you hear on a radio he's the life and soul of any room when he walks in there and um yeah just no words could sort of sum up how thankful i am for what he's done for me and to be quite honest from here on in i i said it to one of my colleagues the other day all i want to do is doing proud and that's what i'm going to do and I'm just thankful that he gave me the opportunity to work for him and uh, he'll be missed, that's for sure. And there's Robin Allen rounding off our tribute to Nigel Pearson. He will be missed, absolutely he will. But those of us that worked closely with Nigel, that that knew him well um, in all areas of the media that he covered and from this podcast, which was his production, to the writers and, and and the lads that do the stuff in the in the Speedway Star, the programmes, and I'm sure his colleagues in TV as well will continue to have Nigel in mind and, and think what would Nigel do in, in, in certain situations and, and continue to, to drive the message of Speedway and, and what a great and exciting sport it is to as many people as we can. It's going to be a lot harder without Nigel helping us do that for sure.
but um, we will continue to do that. And please, you know, it all starts at home. And as many people who can just take someone, take a friend, encourage your friends and family to go along and, and try Speedway out, Nigel would have loved that. Get down your track and, and take some Speedway in. Nigel would also say when we've been doing tributes to, to other people from the sport who have, have sadly passed that we've done that, we've paid our respects, now we must crack on. And while we're not going to do the full show, obviously now, this I thought this section would last about 20 minutes, I've got to be honest, but with all the tributes we've had, we're at about, what, an hour and a quarter or so now. I will just run through the fixtures for the upcoming week because it is a big week in Speedway. There's lots of Speedway to take in and uh, I'm sure Nigel would want us to make sure that we preview as much as we can the the upcoming fixtures um, on Wednesday in the Championship. Well, a massive one and it's going to be live on the British Speedway Network because it's a sellout at Oxford. Oxford Cheaters versus the Pool Pirates. The first time the two sides have met in, what, 15 years? It's going to be a massive one. 7.30 start time for that. Birmingham Brummies versus the Berwick Bandits, also on, on Wednesday. On Thursday, in the southern branch of the League Cup, it's Kingsland Stars versus the Peterborough Panthers. And then on Friday, Glasgow Tigers versus the Berwick Bandits. Red Car Bears host the Leicester Lions. A couple of big clashes uh, there. And the Scunthorpe Scorpions versus the Birmingham Brummies. Uh, and also on Friday, Edinburgh Monarchs hosting the Newcastle Diamonds in the Championship Knockout Cup first round second leg with um, uh, Edinburgh having the uh, lead there so far. On Saturday, Berwick Bandits against the Oxford Cheaters at Shieldfield. Leicester Lions hosting the Glasgow Tigers. And then on Sunday, Mildenhall Fen Tigers hosting the Kent Royals in the NDL Knockout Cup semi-final first leg. And also on Sunday in the Championship, it's Newcastle versus Oxford with a four o'clock start time at Bruff Park. Then on Monday, League Cup Southern, Kingsland versus Ipswich Witches. And then next Tuesday, it's the Plymouth Gladiators against the Scunthorpe Scorpions in the Championship. And that takes us through the next week of Speedway. Hopefully the weather is going to be pretty good for many of the days. If you can get down to your nearest track, if you've not been for a while, get down there, take a friend, enjoy your Speedway. It is a fantastic, exciting sport that so many love. And the outpouring of emotion for, for Nigel Pearson I think also backs up just how well regarded he was within Speedway of course but within sport in general of course darts and, and football uh, not least as well thank you for listening I hope you've enjoyed hearing the tributes today I'm sure that you've got your own um, and please do feel free to share your memories of Nigel on social media because there's many people who would love to to hear what your memories are particularly those who are closest to Nigel and finding those messages online a, a great source of comfort really as well thanks for listening we'll be back next Wednesday morning the episode will be out for No Breaks No Fear a Nigel Pearson Media Limited production for British Speedway we'll leave you with one of Nigel's final commentaries on the TV and what a way to finish rest in peace Nigel and thanks for everything who will be world champions will it be Poland will it be Great Britain here we go Champions! Great Britain are going to be world champions! Maxi Yanovsky is 
into trouble. In actual fact, Bartol smartly got in his way. But they're going to pick up the goal. It's going to be champions of the world in the Speedway of Nations. And Poland will miss out once again. What a moment. What a moment for Britain. Great Britain are world champions. Can you believe it? I've been saying it all weekend long. It doesn't matter what happens in the 42 heats. It's all about what happens in a one-minute moment of a grand final. Janowski lost control, lost the motorbike, and Great Britain avoid that last place. And Great Britain are world champions in the Monster Energy FIM Speedway of Nations. No brakes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast.